Happy Easter. Today we celebrate the second major moment in the Easter season, the solemnity of the ascension of the Lord. In the scripture, in the gospels, the accounts of Jesus's resurrection, as you'll recall, do not all add up in terms of detail or chronology. The gospel writers were not trying to present a chronological or historical account of Jesus's resurrection. They were trying to communicate the truth and some of the elements of that experience. So similarly, the details of Jesus's ascension to heaven in Mark, Luke, and the Acts of the Apostles do not all add up in terms of chronology or detail. I will look forward, I hope, in eternal life to getting all the details clarified. But right now, my goal is to enter into these accounts and to see what did these gospel writers want to communicate about Jesus's ascension and what might some of the details that they do include speak to us today as people who are trying to grow in the grace of the renewal of salvation within us. I invite you to focus on that first reading that we heard from the first 11 verses of the first chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. In our church celebration, liturgically, we follow that chronology in our annual celebration of Easter from the Acts of the Apostles. In the Acts of the Apostles, in the Gospels, Jesus rises from the dead on Easter Sunday. He then appears to his disciples for 40 days. And the, gospel, the writer of Acts says that Jesus speaks to them about the kingdom of God during those 40 days. The kingdom of God is the central message of all of Jesus's preaching before his death. I think it's very safe to guess that after his resurrection, during those 40 days, he explains all kinds of things about the kingdom of God in much greater depth, and I also bet in much greater detail because his disciples, now knowing fully who he is after his resurrection, can understand things in a much bigger way from Jesus. At the end of the 40 days, according to God's plan, Jesus visibly ascends to heaven in the presence of his disciples. God's plan can include Jesus returns to heaven however God wants Jesus to return. In the resurrection accounts, there as you'll recall, there are moments when Jesus is unrecognizable to his disciples and when the risen Jesus appears and then disappears. It could have been God's plan that Jesus would rise from the dead, appear to his disciples for 40 days, and then disappear. In fact, God's plan turns out to be that Jesus visibly ascends to heaven in front of his disciples. He's lifted up and a cloud takes him from their sight. Why might this be God's plan? I do not have the answer to that question, but I speculate about it. I wonder if part of the reason that is God's plan is so that the disciples can see very, very clearly to have the experience physically, visibly, humanly of seeing Jesus ascend to heaven as opposed to disappearing. I wonder if that vision of Jesus's ascending physically to heaven was not a vision that they were meant to have for the rest of their lives and for us to have in our lives. I encourage you to go onto the internet or any art book you have and take a look at the hundreds and thousands of portrayals of Jesus's ascension to heaven in sacred art. It's just a wonderful thing. 
I was exposed to Jesus' ascension to heaven visually through sacred art from the time I was a kid. I'm still exposed to it, and I am entirely grateful that I have it in my mind's eye, not Jesus disappearing to heaven, but Jesus ascending to heaven. I am meant to have that vision, that visual in front of me day by day by day, not merely to remind me that life is meant to end up in heaven, to, at the deepest level, lead me into that truth. Where Jesus goes through death to eternal life in heaven is where anyone who's alive in him, who's really alive in him, will go. This matters for parents in Texas whose children were brutally killed two days ago. This matters for families in Buffalo whose relatives and loved ones were brutally killed two weekends ago. If Jesus Christ does not ascend to heaven, this is the end of life for the people who have been butchered most recently in this country. If Jesus Christ has not brought salvation to this fallen, sinful world, if he has not brought the power that defeats sin and death for the rest of human time, and if he does not, when he experiences that salvation, go to heaven, then this is it for these grieving families of people who have once again been brutally murdered, innocent human lives ended in this country. Before Jesus ascends to heaven in the Acts of the Apostles, his disciples, they pass on presumably this detail. They ask him of them, sure, the many, many, many things they ask him. What's passed on to us at the ascension is they ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That's a very good question. It's about the kingdom of God. I presume there may have been many different versions of that question, but fundamentally, they're asking Jesus, are you going to concretely, historically, going to do X, Y, or Z to bring God's kingdom to this planet right now? It's a very good question. Jesus answers it. The first part of his answer is, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has established by his own authority. Jesus tells us in many different ways, we don't know lots of details about the future that only God the Father knows. Jesus tells us very little 2,000 years ago or today about our futures. I don't know what future children are going to look like. I don't know where my marriage is going. I don't know where this world is going. I bet that part of what he's also saying here is that what happens in the future with the kingdom of God is not something that I, Jesus, just establish. It's not something that I just do. I don't restore the kingdom of Israel in a snap, partially because the grace of everything that I want to do on this planet completely goes through human freedom. Jesus is not telling his disciples the details of the unfolding of the kingdom of God, partially because it's not for them to know, and I'm sure partially because whatever grace 
he does give for the growth of the kingdom then is up to their decision what to do with it. Why does this matter? I have no question that the plan of God for the growth of the kingdom of God in a school in Texas this Tuesday was for the children and the adults in that school to love one another and to help one another grow. I have no question that that's God's plan for the growth of the kingdom this Tuesday in that school in Texas. What happened in that school in Texas on Tuesday had nothing to do with God. It had everything to do with a person who chose to eliminate the innocent lives of children and adults. I have no question that God's plan for Lawrence Catholic Academy this Tuesday was for our children to be loved, to be educated, and to grow. I have no question that that was the plan for the growth of the kingdom of God this Tuesday. It happened there because people chose to accept God's grace, to love those children, to help educate them. The difference between Texas and Lawrence this Tuesday had nothing to do with God's grace. It had everything to do with free human choices. There's more to Jesus' response to the question, Lord, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He goes on to say, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus has told his disciples to remain in Jerusalem, that the Holy Spirit will come and will baptize, they will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, what turns out to be Pentecost. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's it. Those are the two big things Jesus tells every disciple in every generation, including you and me, at his ascension. Two things you should know about your future. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses to all the ends of the earth. That's what Easter turns out to be. The coming of the power of Jesus' resurrection into anyone who's open to it from the moment that person is baptized and that person's being commissioned to be a witness to Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth, starting locally, moving beyond to the ends of the earth. In the midst of the continuing unraveling of this society, and it seems in so many ways this world, in the midst of this week's shocking horror of yet another denial of the dignity of human life, of life itself, to innocent children and adults, I intend to be maximally open to receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, and I intend to be Jesus Christ's active witness in this country, in this world. I do not choose to be a private Christian. I do not choose to back down on the gospel of Jesus Christ. I do not choose to be some sort of lukewarm Catholic. I do not choose to back myself into a corner to live with a small group of similarly-minded people. I choose, in the midst of all of this, 
to open myself to the power of the Holy Spirit and to try to cooperate with that power by living as a witness of Jesus Christ. In the Acts of the Apostles, at the end of the experience of the ascension, the disciples were told, look intently at the sky as Jesus is going. Two, it turns out to be angels, two men dressed in white garments, suddenly stand beside them. They say, men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking at the sky? It's a very good question again. They're looking at the sky because Jesus just ascended. Of course they're looking at the sky. But then the angels say, this Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will return in the same way as you have seen him going into heaven. That obviously affirms everything Jesus has taught about his second coming at some time to bring earthly history to its conclusion, to judge the living and the dead. I think there's also a sense in there of, why are you standing looking at the sky? You need to get going. You can't just stand looking at the sky or anything else. Jesus has told them, remain in Jerusalem, wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? They do it. They don't just stand there staring. They do what he tells them to do. These people who have so often failed to do what Jesus tells them to do, do what he tells them to do. They remain in Jerusalem. They wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes. Whatever you know on the Feast of the Ascension, 2022, that Jesus is telling you to do, do it. You want to respond to Texas, do what he tells you to do. You want to respond to Buffalo, do what he tells you to do. You want to respond to the denial of the dignity of human life in this country, to whatever category people want that dignity to be denied, whatever you know Jesus Christ tells you to do, do it. That is the grace of Easter. Live that grace. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.